Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we're going all the way back, back to the very first episode of World Build With Us, back when things were very different. We had terrible microphones and only two hosts. Things are very different, but I thought it would be really fun to get into that spirit once more where we come into this particular setting with no prompt whatsoever, and then we build a setting based around nothing. Well, not nothing. We're bringing tenets this time because we didn't have tenets the last time and we found out that that's actually a core principle that makes world building mm. much easier. Mm. So since then, things have changed and I'm very much looking forward to exploring a new setting, new year. And we're also going to be doing something different in that this is going to be a four-part series. Now, the initial setting that we did, Land of a Thousand Gods, was probably close to about 30 episodes in total. It made up the bulk of our first year of doing world build with us. And um, I thought it would be really fun to like do a, a particularly deep dive into one setting. And why not do a setting that we can all feel like we have strong ownership of with no, uh, no input from other people? I thought it'd be really fun. But before we get into our tenets, let's go ahead and remind you that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, you can go to our Twitter over at Let's World Build. And realistically, if you want to get in contact with us more readily, be part of our community, you can join our Discord where we talk about world building, food, and all sorts of other stuff. If you want to share your world, we actually have threads over there where you can do that and keep everything nice, packed, and tight, all that good stuff. Uh, if you have questions, if you want to come chat with us, come do it in our Discord. That's where you can find us. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon where we have patron exclusive goodies like early access to episodes, a patron only discord area and patron only episodes, not to mention double the length for every prompt that you submit. So rather than one episode, we'll get you two if you're a patron of ours. And with all of the shilling out of the way, we can now transition into our very first world of our own in quite some time. So let's see. We'll go with who joined the podcast first besides me, because I always like to go second or third. So Daniel, you are our first guest way back in episode like eight or nine, I think. So Daniel, why don't you get us started? What is our first tenet, sir? I'm going to say that there is an actual place that is the end of the world somewhere. Oh, okay. So kind of like we're going to go to Ragnarok or there's a physical place that is also the blank of something. Yeah. Like there's a physical location and we can interpret that however we want, but like that represents either the edge of the world or the end of the world, like a, a place that is um, like it's, it's terminus. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, it's up to us what, what happens to that, but um I'm just envisioning it as a, an actual place. And I don't know if it's depending, of course, depending on our, you know, our genre, you know, it could be a mythological thing. It could mm -hmm. be a physical, an actual physical place. It could be mm -hmm. a metaphorical place, but um, it is a, an actual location. It's it's where they started their version of the Hedron Collider that actually ended there, <laughs> you know, what, if we're doing right. sci-fi. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm so excited that, like, we really have no direction here. Which is None like, whatsoever. I know can be daunting, but man, the fact that we have like a truly mm -hmm. blank canvas is like very exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Obviously not that I don't love the prompts that we get, but like we haven't done this in so long that to me it's like, oh, we haven't done this. Oh, it's so new and fresh and exciting. You know, like that's very thrilling to me. So it's a physical place. People can go there, correct? That's what we're looking at? Yeah. Okay. It's reachable. It's reachable. Right. Presumably. Oh, and then I wanted to say that... um after the fashion of the video game No Man's Sky, which at release did not actually do this, and I still don't think it does it, that the, the closer you get to this place, either the weirder or more treacherous mm. the journey to it becomes. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great trope. Mm -hmm. I know that Maiden Abyss does that where the further down you go into the abyss itself that like it it becomes more dangerous and more you have to take more time to adjust like acclimatizing to it, basically. So, yeah, that makes sense. I can I can deal with that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. And in very typical Rob fashion, like I have sneakily snuck in a couple of different tenets into my core tenets. Typical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's okay. Look, you guys are making sandwiches. I'm making croissants where the layers in my bread are just like layers on layers on layers. Okay. Like it's a part of the craft. It's okay. It's not that you guys are lesser, not at all. I've had way better. Look, have you had a Dunkin' Donuts croissant? They're terrible. They're <laughs> awful. Okay. And I've definitely brought up some multi layered, terrible ideas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that's what I do because I cheat. And that's okay. Uh, lie, steat, and cheel. Uh, oh, God, I fucked that up. And I, I, I'm you keeping did. that. You did. I'm keeping okay. it. I don't care. Courtney, uh, yeah. to pivot away from my shame, why don't you go <laughs> ahead and start us <laughs> with your tenant? What is your tenant that you're bringing? All right. Uh, my first one is that certain individuals in this world are able to telepathically communicate with each other usually limited at least initially to pairs or small groups who don't necessarily know each other or even live anywhere near each other. Interesting. Okay. So we've got some kind of psychical stuff going on already. Mm -hmm. I like where we're going with this. Potentially. We'll see how it goes. Potentially. Yeah. Because I'm just sniffing a sci-fi setting and I'm bracing myself for the worst. So So they're like telepathic pods in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Like if you've ever seen the show uh, Sense Eight. Oh, I heard about that. Oh, yeah. Kinsley, yeah. The show's not really that. It had. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you guys really like the first season? Mm, I, I watched was, one episode and I hated it. Not <laughs> you, did. <laughs> it's extremely like cheesy. There's a lot of cheese in it. Oh yeah, and Daniel's really lactose intolerant when it comes to some yeah. of that stuff. Like he's either like a hundred percent on board for a specific type of schlock. Or it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to look at this thing because it offends my senses so much. Like, yeah. There's no in between. Correct. 100%. I can be the same way. And like, yeah, powered through a, a lot of the show, but just couldn't make it to the end. Yeah, that's understandable. Meanwhile, I am, you, you all know me. I love a good schlock. I love, mm. I love schlock in a lot of ways. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it continues to be terrible in schlock, but. Hey, I'm not here for a for a good time necessarily. You know, I'm here for a long time. <laughs> and yes, I know it's the, normally the inverse, but whatever. Um, all right, I guess I'll go next. The primary tenet that I was really interested in talking about, I, I think it just has to do with a lot of the things that I'm kind of interested tangentially. But the first tenet that I'm introducing is central to the conflict within this setting is trade. Trade plays a very big part in the setting. It is not necessarily front and center, but front and center adjacent, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking of shows like Taboo, uh, where you have kind of like the echoes of trade or like the, what what spurs the action in that show is like a land deal. And so you have the West Indian trading company and stuff like that, or, or like Deadwood, for example, right? Deadwood is not about trade necessarily. It's about a boom town and everything that kind of comes from that, right? But I'm not saying that we need to have like a single town that we're focusing on. I'm more interested in the idea that in the background, pulling all of the strings is somehow some kind of a trade system that's that's important, right? Now, what I am going to try and push for though is like whatever the resource is at the center of this conflict, at the center of this kind of, um, you know, trade route or boomtown or whatever we've got going on, the resource at the center of it doesn't currently exist in the real world. So it can't be gold. Mm -hmm. It can't be, uh, you know, like some kind of mineral or something like that. It's got to be something that currently does not exist and plays a big part in it, you know? So is it unobtainium that we're talking about here? <laughs> Not necessarily, because I also wanted it to be like, it, it could also mean like the physical representation of the soul or mm-hmm. the physical representation of magic or something like that. Something that just doesn't exist currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not fucking around with unobtainium. Shout out to Avatar, which yeah. is 
releasing yeah. its sequel after 75 years. <laughs> yeah, I have guys, I have never seen Avatar. I have no desire to see Avatar. I have no desire to see the sequels. Like there's something about that franchise that has always stuck with me the wrong way. And I've never been interested in even like looking its way, you know. But anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of my tenet. You know, I want trade stuff to be really important. I like the um, idea of a particular resource. Like we, yeah. I think we had, there was an episode we had uh, not so long ago where it was a guest that we had. And I think we decided, oh, it was, I think it was Lizzie Stark. And we yeah. had decided the resource was, was it emotion or something? Emotion or performance, I think. It, or or yeah. maybe it was both. Like you got mm-hmm. emotion from performance or something. It was, like it was something that we, we took a typical resource like gold. I think it was a Wild West sort of situation. And we replaced it with something mm-hmm. weird, which then ended up being really interesting. So I'd be, I'm interested mm-hmm. in whatever we can do with sure. that resource. Yeah. It could be related to the telepathic communication, like if there's something in a person that allows them to do that, or if they emit something Mm -hmm. when they communicate telepathically. Or the thing allows for that telepathic communication. Yeah. Sentience, something like that, you know, (laughs) can be very broad. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll we'll discover that as it goes, but... I know that y'all are excited about the the resource. I'm excited about the mercantilism. Like, I think that that stuff is really fascinating to me. Like, man, do you know how many people have been fucking shanked in a dark alley because like stock prices and I mean like old timey stock prices, but like that type of stuff really fascinates me. Like they're, they're the fact that we can like focus on scam artists or there's all sorts of cool stuff. We can get into it later. Let's move on. Let's keep it moving. Daniel, what is your second tenet, sir? So in the tradition of classical representations of angels, there there are beings out there that are thematically like uh, biblical angels as they were originally described. Excellent. (laughs) And or um, big dumb objects in that they have this either – mind-blowing representation um, Mm -hmm. and are uh, inscrutable that come at very pivotal moments either in time or history and have a huge impact on the setting when they do arrive. Interesting. That's very cool. You're clearly in a mindset when it comes to this particular setting. Like we have the end of the world and we have biblical angels. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any intentions, but I just, those are two things that resonated me with me when I um, was thinking, what would be cool stuff to add? Yeah. yeah. Purely unconsciously, Daniel, I'm just thinking like, that's an interesting mindset for me to kind of like psychoanalyze you from. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I was trying to give them, um, some flexibility so that we can mm-hmm. interpret them to suit whatever genre we end up with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they don't they don't literally have to be angels, but that I imagine is how they're perceived because they're right. either so uh, awe inspiring or terrifying or whatever, however they're interpreted mm-hmm. by the culture mm-hmm. they appear to. They're vampires, then is what you're trying to tell me, Daniel. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and I also would want to say um, I don't want them to have a clear. Um, good or evil positioning mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't want them to be like, oh, they're it's great that they're here or, oh my God, yeah. it's the end of everything that they're here. I don't want them, like just like with a BDO, you're not really sure mm-hmm. <laughs> what will happen with this thing. Purely cosmic. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think there was a short story that I read. I forget. It might've been Ted Chiang, but um, it was about like angels appearing and Ooh. they would like, there was a chance that you would be miraculously healed or you could just get mm-hmm. fucking obliterated. Like, yeah, it was a I complete toss up. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're that, they're that awesome. Like in the, yeah. in the true sense of the word, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. As you suggested, the classical definition of the word awesome. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with this. Uh, Courtney. Yeah. What do you have for us for our second tenant? Um, I think this could potentially tie in really well with yours, Daniel, because mine is that somewhere on this world, there is a god forge, something that can be used to construct deities. And I'm using the term god and deity kind of loosely here, just like cosmic beings, maybe is a better term, Mm -hmm. but something where these like powerful entities are created or are emitted from. Oh, a Mm. literal forge of making them, Mm -hmm. which also calls back to our original setting to some degree. Yeah. yeah. 
You're not you're not wrong, actually. What, what a throwback in this tenet, Courtney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also reminds me of, oh, what's it called? In Pathfinder setting Galerion, there is, it's like the trial of the something, or, or I think it's trial of the falling star, where basically you go to this place, you go through what is essentially a mega dungeon, and then at the end of that, you can become a god if you manage to do it. And there's like three or four gods in the setting who have done that, who've like ascended to godhood as a result. But I like the idea, Courtney, that, you know, your forge of the gods doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, there's one of a kind or there's multiple. I mean, there, there's multiple things that we can do with this. Mm-hmm. Of course, now that I think about it, we could literally just make Land of a Thousand Gods again and, n- and name it yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, OK, for my second tenant, I want it. So. All right. All right. All right. Here's the deal. Right. My first tenant is fairly layered, right? Like it's got implications. It got stuff involved into it. Right. My second one is actually quite simple in that the entirety of the setting that we'll be exploring during our time here is confined to a singular city. So the greater world exists. Hmm. We know this, but during our four part episode, all we're going to be doing is talking about this city And yes, that sounds daunting, but man, do you know how easy it is to talk about a single city for four episodes? Guess what? We're going to find out. Like this to me, the reason I bring this up, right, is that I think that from all the guests that we've talked to over the years, their advice has been start small, right? Especially when it comes to GMing, like you're basically putting all of the player facing stuff up front. And I think that by focusing on a particular city in a setting, we get to explore that setting kind of organically in the same way that we'd be role playing or, 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 you know, playing as characters within a role playing game. So we kind of discover the setting as we create it. I just thought that'd be kind of a fun little constraint for us to deal with. Makes me think of Planescape. It always makes you think of Planescape every mm. time, Daniel, and I'm so excited. How does it connect to Planescape? I'm not really familiar with that oh, setting. Um, yeah, for those who haven't played, so Planescape is a second edition um, D&D setting that's set in a, a city that is connected to the multiverse and is at the supposed center of the of the planes, in a sense. And Sigil. It's, 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 yep, and it's full of um, all kinds of characters who, rather than believing in particular cultures, have very bizarre philosophies. There's doors to all the multiverse inside mm. that inside that city. Mm. Interesting. Okay. It's very interesting. It's it's I like that setting because it's so it's such a departure from the way D and D is treated. Really, any other it's I think like how mm. how different Spelljammer is to all the other settings in D and D. Like Planescape was very original, I think, in its design. Mm. Mm. For the time, especially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I I just thought it would be kind of fun. And now that we're kind of digging down a little bit deeper into it, like the city where psychics, I, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a boom town, but like, is this city the end of the world? I suppose we have to answer that question immediately because Daniel has the tenet. There is a physical place that represents the end of the world. And is it the city that we're talking about? Yeah, I was thinking that too, or like on the precipice, like it's the closest city to the end. Mm. I, I gotta get behind closest to it, but I do want the end of the world to be a place to aspire towards. Like mm-hmm. that was part of the tenant that you had. There is a journey to get to it that is treacherous. Sure, I I like that. I like that idea a lot, actually, because like you're not at the end of the world, but you can see it where we're from. You know, like yeah. maybe, maybe it's something like that where it's like there's the sun, and then before that, there's a black dot that is the end of the world, mm-hmm. and you can see it from this city. Something like that makes me think of like. Um, is it Hitchhiker's Guide that has the restaurant at the end of the edge of the yeah. universe? Oh yeah. yeah, and that also could tie into your um, commerce theme. That um, if this is towards the edge of civilization, then mm. you know you get some kind of Western vibes from that. And mm. The idea of like this being the uh, border town or a town at the edge mm-hmm. of the of the world, or if it's not a town, if it's a space station, it's at the edge of of everything. Mm. Yeah. And that resource could be related to like whatever weirdness is happening mm. past this point. Yeah. Or it could be related. I mean, Courtney, you have Godforge, right? Yeah. So like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be that could, in fact, be the resource at the heart of this conflict as well, mm. where like people are, 
you know, like shanking each other in an alleyway so they can become the next God or at least attempt to be the next God or something like mm. that. There's the, ele- the disparate elements that we have together come together to create a narrative already. And I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking that the city could be the closest that you can possibly build out like towards oh, the end yeah. before shit gets like unstable and too so weird. weird to really yeah. have like a an actual city where people can live and not immediately have weird shit happen to them. That's mm-hmm. really fun because now all of a sudden that place is a destination, right? Anyone mm-hmm. who wants to try and explore the end of the world has to go through what is essentially a port city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we haven't defined it yet, right? Like that end of the world, it could be another planet or it could be like an island off in the distance of the void or something like that. Like there's there's so many things that we can do about this. I'm I'm very excited. I'm so fucking excited to see how this kind of turns out. It would be interesting too if, um, you know, the space we try to create is, you know, thinking along the lines of like Planescape and Spelljammer type settings, if it was like something in between both genres. Like an un- unusual kind of structure mm-hmm. for the space might be interesting. Both genres being fantasy and science fiction, of course. Right. So like, I would say that not those two settings in particular, but it's definitely Spelljammer. But like they're kind of sitting in that spot, you know, or it's mm-hmm. sci-fantasy, you know. Oh, absolutely. I suppose what we should do now is answer questions about the particular setting, right? Do we want to dive right into genre right away or or how do we want to approach this? What do y'all think? Um, one of the first questions that came to mind for me was like, is this a human only world? Are there other races or species that we're dealing with? Mm, an excellent question. You know how I feel about that answer. So, Daniel, what do you think? I almost want to create more things and see how many things we can create before the genre is forced. Mm-hmm. Mm. only because like so for example say if this were something lean more sci-fi i could see there being other races because there are other there are other types of aliens mm-hmm. um if this were like a sci-fantasy i could also see like people coming from the other side you know that are very weird mm-hmm. and they're not human mm-hmm. i could see the telepathic people being the only humans you know mm-hmm. in, a, in a world mm-hmm. of very strange beings so i'm just i, I would wonder like if we throw more things in the pot does it reveal itself, the genre? Mm. You know, does it say like, oh, it has to be this now? You know, sure. So, if if you want to pivot, what is the question that you'd like answered first? I'm interested in. So, if we're if we're if we're focusing on a particular location, I wonder if there's because we don't do this typically in the in the process for world building, but if we can zoom down to characters mm. and their concerns and see what the world looks like from their perspective. Yeah, like. Like focus on like why people would be out here in the first place, maybe. Yeah. Like what if we each made like a character Mm -hmm. and then tried to see like, why are they there? What are they interested in? And then see if Mm -hmm. that through their Mm -hmm. eyes, we see more of the world, the setting. Oh, I have an idea for one. Somebody who traveled to the city because they heard their telepathic link or like they had a telepathic link to somebody in this area. And it turns out that that person that they have the link with is beyond this city. They're somewhere nearing the end of the world. Oh, interesting. Mm. That that's kind of cool because then it calls back to. For some reason, I'm thinking about what Rob was saying with it being a trading post, right? So mm-hmm. I'm picturing your character and tell me if this is wrong as some kind of trader from outside of the city, right? Who has mm-hmm. that styling? Yeah, yeah, or like a scholar, researcher, trader oh, yeah, type that, person, that works, like yeah. kind of a mix, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So like they're they are part of the larger commerce in some way. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of, maybe a good way to kind of elucidate the setting a little bit is to answer the question, what is the resource that is at the heart of all of this conflict? I don't know. I, I I have a character I can throw in there before you get to that. <laughs> Go for it. Um and maybe that will help us get to that quite to the question you're asking. Um I was thinking of a telepath who's plugged in in some way and imprisoned mm-hmm. and it can only talk to people through their telepathy to the people that they're connected to in their pod oh so like they for some reason can't communicate with anyone except for those people yeah because they're imprisoned and maybe like that speaks to the resource in some way mm-hmm. so would you would you say daniel that this telepath is like 
grasping at straws. It's like yeah. basically trying to reach out and talk to someone at some point. Yeah, and they want to get out of whatever they're imprisoned inside of. Mm-hmm. Okay. My initial thought when you say that is it's the Forge of the Gods where like the Forge itself is reaching out and trying to communicate and like trying to draw And, and maybe that's where people get this kind of um, false inclination that um, you can obtain godhood. It's because this psychic entity within the Forge itself is trying to draw people in, but really it just needs a way to try and escape. I could see them being part of a large, maybe they're part of a larger array, this person. Yeah. You know. Or like, does telepathic energy fuel the God Forge and this person oh. was imprisoned to like soak up their energy? Oh. Or like you were kind of implying, Rob, is it like a botched forging and this person was stuck in limbo between their humanity and. Like a godling? Yeah. Mm. Or a demigod. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the characters as someone who could potentially be freed in the course of a potential narrative. So maybe they're, you know, they're not really powerful. They just have a few powers because they're part of this experiment or whatever. So if if say your friend comes through and gets them out, you know, you're starting to build mm-hmm. a party, right? Mm. Although I would wonder what um, what kind of character Rob would bring to it. Yeah, I don't work this way, Daniel. I I normally I need the setting first before I can see where my character fits in. Like we're going at it from from the opposite angle for me, and it feels. I know. I'm trying to see how it will work. I mean, what's your first what's your first feeling of a person in this place? Like just super. I don't have one. That that's the thing. Uh, Like okay, actually, that's not true. Here's here's where I would probably latch on to something right because we don't have to keep going i'm just saying like i wonder what would happen if you drop somebody like a pin on a map you know Mm -hmm. then we can go back to bigger questions yeah i'm not pollock man i'm not doing i'm not about that life when it comes to world building but i will i will throw some paint at a canvas for you Mm -hmm. daniel how's that um i have a leg breaker who is i like it already (laughs) i wanted mercantilism i wanted some kind of trade to be adjacent to center for this right and in order for people to kind of enact trade, they need people who will collect debts, who will enforce the will of the money, right? So what I'm kind of interested in is one of those people, one of those people who collects debts. And I think what would be really interesting is if we make the debt interesting in a way that is more than just a resource, if that makes sense. Like, this is why I was kind of interested in in claiming that resource or talking about the resource that we're talking about, because if this debt collector is going around stealing people's souls because, you know, people made a bargain and they reneged on the deal and now they've got to go and snatch people's souls, that to me is really interesting. But uh, that's I'll give you the baseline for leg breaker character who is doing his best to reclaim the debts for the people who employ him. That's what I'll I start. Mean, with. I, I love that. That's like great. Mm-hmm. Like I just I feel like what this did is even if we you know abandon these people, it just is an idea. It's like I think that's cool because it gave us three vectors, right? Like mm-hmm. the debt breaker seems like he's part of this ecosystem, right? And then you've got the person coming from the outside with an outside perspective as to how the commerce flows through the city, and then someone who's trapped inside in the underbelly of whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. So now if we if we zoom away from them and go back up to the top. We're like, okay, we've got these three vectors we can work with and expand upon. And I think to your point, like the resource is going to be a big central part of it that drives Mm -hmm. the three points, you know. So can I ask the question now? Oh, yeah. Now I think we have some grounding. So what's the resource, Daniel? (laughs) Hmm. I I think it has something to do with like the telepathy and the telepaths. Mm. I mean, does it does. Here's another question, I guess. A question for your question. When you said the God, when you were talking about the God Forge and potentially this person, that particular person being part of it and a botched God Forge thing, you know, like I'm picturing some kind of apparatus that's rotating and powering the city. Mm, like it's under the city or something? Yeah, or in it or something. Like yeah. does the telepathy, could it be like the energy or the resources, the thing that's generating in the God Forge to keep the city running? Guys, I just had a really random idea. Is this the city of the dead? Like, is this kind of like the gates of Hades or like the river sticks type situation where it's like before you see the end of the world, you have to go to where the dead live? 
I feel like that would be our end of season one reveal. It's when you <laughs> right. learn that everybody is actually like on the verge yeah. of death or something. I like that metaphorically. Yeah. I'm just thinking, right? Like if I have a leg breaker and what they're interested in, in, in gathering is life itself, right? Because what do the dead want? They want to live again most of the time, right? So if the debt is like, hey, you've got like a little bit of life on you. I have to steal the life from your body, right? Or, or something like that. I, that's just kind of where my brain suddenly went. And I don't know why, but that's what I have in mind right now. So like, I could see, I could see this whole thing going in the direction of something very fantastical, right? Where people are literally coming in and they're the dead being processed, you know, and that this is the city of the dead, like literally that could work. Um, I'm also seeing something where this is a living city, right? Um, and it's taking a more like literal angle. Mm. So like maybe this this the place is styled like a city of the dead because it's so far away from civilization and, you know, it's gutter punk kind of feel. So I could see it going oh, yeah. either way. You know what I mean? Like I could see mm-hmm. people literally call it the city of the dead because it's just, it's barely alive with power, let alone even though it's packed full of life and people doing all this mm-hmm. commerce at the edge of the, at the edge of the universe. Mm-hmm. But I could also see taking a fantastical, almost planescapey point of view where you've got like philosophers of life and death traveling here to study the end of the world. I could see either working. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that's the next question we should answer or could answer when we think about this, right? If, if this is the city of the dead, right? No matter, no matter what, whether it be metaphorical or physical or whatever, mm-hmm. Does that make it the nexus for a bunch of different cultures? Does that mean that it's basically like a Coruscant or something like that? Or if it's Boss Log or something like that? Mm. Is that what we're trying to do here? Or is it going to be like monoculture, not monoculture in the bad way, but monoculture in the way that is like emergent culture in that way? What what do y'all think? I like the idea of like a very mixed place where who knows, maybe this is even built on top of like ancient ruins. So there was no real oh. predominant culture initially. Um, it was sort of a collaborative effort, or maybe it was even something that these different groups realized they had to work together to create architecture that would actually survive in this area since they're on the brink. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely multicultural in the same way. Mm. Like I think maybe if this was something that was um, mastered in a sense, being that it's so far in the wilds of whatever the setting is, I can see other cultures having traveled this far, having to work together to have built a civilization on top of it, on top of whatever mm. was here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have a feeling that like I'm getting the feel that to merely keep this thing active, like powered, is a challenge. Mm. Mm. Ooh, okay. So the debt collector I was thinking about before, again, I'm thinking of life as a resource, you know, like they need life to power the city because it's the city of the dead. It's a dead city, right? So the debt collectors are kind of like more cosmic. They're, they're less mundane and that in order to keep the city running, they need to steal the life from people and toss it into this giant power generator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Could we say instead of life, they're, they're sentience to tie it back into the uh, telepaths? That way it can't just be anyone. It has to be particular minds. Oh, okay. So like if you have a surplus of sentience, you're suggesting that gives you a psychic connection. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, like maybe if that's what, if that's what Courtney had in mind, like because they're special in some way, right? These people. Yeah. Like maybe it doesn't need like a ton of people to power it, but it needs a very particular flavor of sentience, you know? <laughs> you just hook up your pituitary gland and donate your adrenochrome <laughs> right. to the thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking too about your debt collectors and I'm wondering like, you know, they can probably serve multiple masters, right? Like they could be serving whatever the politics is of the city, but also probably some unsavory types that maybe they're business related. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know how that works together necessarily yeah. daniel capital is involved it's all unsavory types so yeah right well I can, you know i could see them being like a function of the government right but also like they're susceptible to other lobbyists you know <laughs> yeah no I, I very much understand uh, i i think adding that layer to it is interesting right but part of me like i'm, I'm not sure because in my mind right like 
th- this debt collector is a leg breaker, right? Like they're, they're the will, but, but I don't want them to be like looked at with a certain reverence. I want them to kind of be feared. I want them to be seen as like, they're kind of scummy in a way, but I don't know. I don't know how to square that. I mean, they're, they're basically tax collectors. Yeah. Mm. People don't like them because they're taking something from them, but mm-hmm. it's for the greater good of the city. More or less. I mean, could it could it be that they, for all the citizens, they have to take a little bit of sentience on a periodic basis to keep the city powered? But I don't know. There's another kind of sentience that if they took the person entirely, they'd get something extra mm. from a city perspective. And so, and that's what happened with the person who's imprisoned. Yeah, and maybe there's more than mm. one person yeah. who's imprisoned, and that's what they. I mean, to stop mass panic, like they don't want to let them know that they really need more than just a little to make this keep working. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's kind of like, okay, if again, if we're focusing on the character aspects, right? So what, what we can then do is we can have debt collector, the debtor and the deadie, right? So we can yeah. now position the three characters as one of the triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously I kind of built mine early, but like, I think that creating a relationship based on that is kind of interesting to me, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That could work. Because then now you're building like the, the the thematic layer, right? Like I think just like mm-hmm. you're saying, you got like the person in prison who is his the debt, I guess. You have the debt collector. And then is the person, like the person coming from the outside, they're fitting that last leg, I think. The person who owes the debt? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because like how does this, the scholar, right. is the, are they the one who, who whom the debt is owed? Is that what we're saying? No, I think I think that's less interesting actually. I think it's mm-hmm. more interesting if this kind of trapped being is the mm-hmm. one who to whom the debt is owed. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, right? Like because you would assume because they're trapped that they are in fact the debtee, right? Like they're the one mm-hmm. who owes the the whatever. Oh, but if we flip yeah. that, I think that's way more interesting. Yeah. Maybe yeah. That way. maybe there's a way that telepathic energy is being funneled into this person. And mm-hmm. that power ends up like powering the city or protecting it in some way. Are we creating an angel? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because we got to bring in your angels here, Daniel. And I think that we've got to figure that out sooner rather than later. Maybe okay. Maybe angel. Does the Godforge make angels? Right, right. Like maybe mm-hmm. the Godforge can make angels, or it can make gods. And and like maybe there is some kind of weird difference that we can make. Maybe angels are collective will. And gods are singular will. So that way, right, like the psychic being that's trapped, like you don't know what it's going to be until it emerges, essentially. Does the will subsume others or is it a a unified kind of collective? And then by approaching it that way, collective will compared to singular will, we can also tie in Courtney's psychic energies as well. And thematically, this all works out as a kind of like, because we're adding commerce to it as well, we can have the will of the people versus the will of the few. Like the, there's a multi, multi-layer of thematics that we can kind of explore here that I think is really interesting to me. Um, and I like the idea of the the forge serving some kind of mundane purpose from the perspective of the people in the city, mm-hmm. or even maybe from its government, in the sense that like if this is like a big battery or whatever. You know, like it's their it's their nuclear power plant essentially. Mm-hmm. To them, there's nothing mystical about it, and I, I I do like the idea of the forge being potentially used to create angels. My only caveat there is I don't want this to be a process that's understood or replicable because these angels are supposed to be things that arrive and are not. Ah, you know yeah. I mean? okay, sure. Yeah. What if um they yeah don't really know what the God Forge does because there hasn't been a long enough period of time to see mm. what it does yet, or it hasn't reached its finality. Yeah. Cause angels could, could come out of it. I'm okay right. with that. But mm. I wonder if like, because they don't get it, like maybe they come out because of what they're doing and they don't realize mm. that's what's happening. You know? Yeah. It, it is so funny that you say that because I had the opposite inclination where mm. like, we know exactly what the God forge does, which is it takes raw consciousness and turns it into a physical commodity. Like mm-hmm. it literally 
takes something ephemeral and turns it into the resource that we're talking about here. Like memories, perhaps? Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it turns it turns something ethereal to something that you can hold in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking about memories, right? You're right. like, oh, I want the memory of my daughter back. And it's like forged into like this crystal or sphere or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. And I know like we went in opposite directions, but like, I don't know. I, th- I think that there's something to that. I like that too. Like, I think both can work. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I mentioned before, like maybe this is an ancient ruin that the current civilizations didn't construct. They kind of stumbled upon. Maybe in present day, like they don't know the end point is making an angel, but they they've seen like, oh, it kind of craps out memories for us. That's handy. Mm-hmm. So they're using it in that way, but they don't understand that at some point down the line, this person who's in there is going to be converted over to this other state of being. And mm-hmm. maybe by taking these memories from it, they're also kind of corrupting the process unknowingly. They're, they're making this person's soul physical, right? Mm-hmm. They're making the essence of their being, their consciousness, mm-hmm. they're, they're conver- slowly converting this person and maybe all the this consciousness they've sent into the God Forge into a physicality, which is the angel over time yeah but by taking the resource away now and then like they're changing the process somehow yeah okay okay i I just i have a point of clarification here Mm. when i when i said that you can take the ephemeral and turn it real i was suggesting that everyone can turn something ephemeral real right like when i say debts right like you could be talking about sentience or memories or something like that right so it's it's not like you're drawing from a particular being. It's like a collective thing where it's like everyone can turn their memories into this resource. Everyone who goes to the God Forge and forges it themselves, like mm-hmm. a link in a chain or something like that, right? Where it's like you pull out, you know, let's say that you have an insubstantial memory of like, oh, you know, I have this memory of pain of scraping my knee or getting stabbed in the shoulder or something like Mm. that. And you forge it in the forge and it's like a single link on a chain. Right. But let's say that you have the love of your life or like a child and you forge that memory. And all of a sudden you have an entire chain, not just the link or something like that. And that applies to everyone. So you can turn your memories, your emotions into something physical and then barter with it. Is the way they're doing this then, because um, of sound and picturing, perhaps some form of technology or whatever we want to say, it, maybe it's technology or magic that was developed or derived from the forge. So like if, if, right. if for example, um, it's technology and it's like, oh, the central government or a business in, the, in this government has made toasters that you can buy and these toasters let you convert, you know, like a memory or whatever into a physical object. But I think the one thing you'd have to do is bind that to the resource. So if, if let's say electricity or power is the resource and it's scarce mm. because it's used to power the city too, like perhaps the same power source in the God Forge is what also powers your toasters. And so like if that's diminished, then you can no longer also use your machine mm. to make your memories or whatever physical. I have, I have a number of ways that we can do that. So my thinking is that the Forge itself like it's a singular forge and and bear with me here as I kind of walk through this a little bit. The singular forge is what allows us to do this and everyone has access to it, but there's a line. There's an incredibly long line. In fact, there is a line in a queue system where basically everyone travels to this place, takes a number, and then they have to wait their turn to get to that point, to be able to be able to create this thing. And what ends up happening is you create this kind of weird cottage industry of like hospitality or like people start living there, you know, for months or years at a time because the line is so long to create mm-hmm. whatever this thing is. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're all waiting your turn. And again, uh-huh. we kind of, that's why it's the city of the dead. Cause you're all waiting your turn. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so there's, there's some fun elements to it there. And then in order to use the forge at all, you have to tithe to it. So you have to sacrifice something, something equal to you in order to get the amount back that you want, right? Mm. Now, the tithing system, maybe this is where we can draw in more of it. The tithing system doesn't necessarily have to come from you. You just have to pay something equal to it, right? Mm. So that means that you can take other people and tithe them or tithe stuff related to them to that thing. 
right? Or other memories, yeah. Their memories, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever matters to them. So what you can then create is this really fucked up ecosystem where there are desperate people who are or like, let's say that they're addicted to something, right? Yes, I'll give up the love of my life. Just give me a little bit more time, a little bit more money, whatever. And there are some people who are like, oh, my turn is never coming. I might as well just like blow it all now because that debt's never going to get collected. The debt's never going to get paid. Something like there's something to this that I think is really interesting that creates an ecosystem that we can really explore and dig into. I, I really like the idea of there being that maybe the whole city itself is really just developed as a result of getting in the queue. Oh, Everyone that's good. There yeah. Is in the queue. Right. So now oh, you have fuck. Queue, I love that. Right? Yeah. People come from outside the city to get in the queue and they have to live there. Right. And then just to build on what you're saying, like, and that would mean then that like the resource is not just, um, well, the resource is, is really time and being in the queue more than anything mm -hmm. else, which is kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Aesthetically, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. So you go to the forge to get your ticket, right? Mm -hmm. And it is a burning magical rune that like is basically slightly raised above you or like around your forehead area. So like everyone sees your position and everyone knows what that means, right? So it's like, oh, you're new here. You like you can immediately clock someone as being new or old to the city based on their number and how close they are to one or zero or whatever. What do y'all think about that from an aesthetic standpoint and also from a world building standpoint too, is like, I guess. What would the impact of that be? Like, would people further up in the queue be targeted for their position? Hmm. Can that be transferred? See, the, the reason I think this is a good idea is because you have to ask questions like that. Hmm. Like when you, when you start thinking of the implications of what this actually means, like, I think that's why I like the idea so much, Right. Where, and, and yes, people who would be closer to the like closer to the front would be targeted. Like mm -hmm. imagine that like you have a ticking clock and you become more valuable as that clock ticks down. That's so exciting. Like there there could be entire people who are like, my whole deal is I'm basically holding place for someone else. And you can like trade numbers or something like that. Yeah, you'd, you'd need for it to be somehow transferable. Otherwise they'd be invulnerable to any kind of avarice right like unless mm -hmm. unless it can be transferred or stolen right okay how about this you can't take it off of a dead person but you can kill them to make the line shorter right <laughs> like if they died in an accident all the numbers will change because you're pushed up the queue everyone's pushed up exactly the queue, right? okay. you, know? you or you could just die of old age and all of a sudden like oh someone mm -hmm. must have died or or <laughs> forged and you never know which one it is I mean, just like debts, like maybe you can transfer a debt, but it has yes. to be done in a certain process. So mm -hmm. it's like you can't just kill the person and take their number. You have to do some particular process, but I'm sure that process can be corrupted. Oh, I, right. I'm thinking of people who are like they can coerce them. They can torture yeah, them, like whatever yeah. it might be like. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, then you're you're oh, man. See, this, I'm so glad that we managed to make trade so central to this because it's really fucking interesting now that you're like trading time to create something out of this resource. Like it's doubled up on that. And that's really interesting. Good Lord. This is really cool. Okay. I'm really getting into it now. All right. Um, what else do we need to explore? I guess. Maybe we should kind of take a step back and remember the things that we've established so far. Yeah. That's actually yeah, a good point. Cause yeah. we are running out of time. We mm -hmm. could probably do this forever, but let's take a step back, take a breather. And then we'll come back next episode after we do our mm -hmm. recap. How's that sound? That yeah. works. All right, cool. So, Daniel, you started us off this episode. Remind us what your first tenet was. Um, that there is an end of the world, and it's a physical place um, that can be reached, but it requires um, a journey through a treacherous space. It mm. grows more treacherous the closer you get. Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like we've definitely satisfied that, right? Yeah, I think um, the looming presence of this this place being nearest to it is really cool and i think like we'll explore what the relationship is between the end of the world and this place as we go but and i'm I'm interested to see what happens but i think i like once i think you said um it can be seen from here that's kind of cool so i like that. yeah yeah agreed totally agreed courtney go ahead and hit us with your first tenant yeah that was that there are certain individuals here 
who are able to telepathically communicate with one another, like either as linked pairs or small groups, mm. but they don't necessarily, you know, live anywhere near each other initially. Okay. I feel like we need to satisfy that more because I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that it's in the setting as much as it could be right now. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think we can talk more about these the pods of telepathic people. And I think that we need to give them a presence, like a central presence in mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. yeah. That's that's very true. Yeah. And I think again, I still think they're not it's not we haven't truly connected their function to the forge. Like we haven't really we've tossed out a bunch of ideas, but I don't think we've nailed any of them down. Right. Yeah. Well, they remember that they don't necessarily have to be related to the forge as well, right? Like they could just be an incidental psychical group or or maybe an expression of something else within the city besides the forge. Mm-hmm. But it would be cool if they were. <laughs> that could be something too that like a power that an angel imparts on people. Oh. And it's just like completely random because the angels that you came up with are just like these unknowable entities mm. that you can't really discern any reason. So maybe sometimes they just show up and are like, hey, you're a telepath now. Courtney's definitely jumping the gun on Daniel's tenant, but <laughs> yes, I think, I think that's a good way I, to I like it. it in. My only pushback would be um like I, I'm always I'm always thinking about our settings as more stories than they would be like, say, a campaign setting. Mm-hmm. And I think like in a campaign setting, you can just have random incidental kind of stuff. But it's like if it's a story, it's kinda it's gotta at least touch back. It's gotta make sense with all the other pieces. Mm-hmm. And I would love if they had some sort of I mean, the I think what you described would work because it's tied to the angels. The angels are somehow tied to the God Forge, mm-hmm. which would be cool. Um, but I, I, I would love if, if for them to because we made them one of the three vectors, right? Yeah. You know, like at least one of their members is is is, is a vector mm-hmm. and they're pods, which I don't want to lose sight of that either, which is interesting. They're groups of people. Yeah. Maybe know? we should talk about that a little bit more. Like. Courtney, you said initially, right, that these people are able to group up or like come into small groups. Like I I think you had Mm -hmm. mentioned sense eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. There was no sense nine, was there? (laughs) (laughs) Not that I know of. Okay. So my kind of inquiry into this whole idea is, is there a hard limit? Can you expand upon that group? Can you narrow that group? Like how would that work exactly? Yeah, I, I think that you can learn to expand it. Um, it's probably just something that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to figure out, like not the easiest process. So would that mean that this, this trapped entity that we've kind of created, would that mean that it's had infinite time to reach out and try and create multiple connections? Definitely a a long period of time, probably longer than anyone else, especially given that this person is like, that's all they can do. So yeah, maybe they are sort of flickering into people's minds around the world. Well, that's but like the connections are probably just not fully strong enough for like a full conversation, but mm-hmm. they can at least sense that like something is calling to them. Oh, I like that. So that's how they're bound together, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I think the mystery of that is enough for us to like work with. Right. Because mm-hmm. now you've got these telepathic people in this city who are mysteriously connected through this voice. Yeah, like you, maybe you're a telepath who has like one other person that you're paired with, but one morning mm-hmm. you wake up and there's like a whisper in the back of your mind mm. from a yeah. voice that you don't recognize. See, it's it's interesting because I thought that the initial spark to awaken that kind of psychic mind is in fact the being reaching out and trying to find someone. So it's like it didn't find a connection with you or like you heard a whisper and never heard it again because the connection wasn't strong enough. But it opened that part of you enough where you can find connections oh, with others. To others. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It builds the network basically. Like it exactly. talks to one person, that person now is able to hear others who could be, have the potential. Right. Mm. Right. Right. And, and it, you could go your entire life. Like you heard the whisper when you're five years old. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you hear one day, Oh, I can hear someone else's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden that connection is made. Right. Yeah. When you're like 25 or 23 or something like that, all of a sudden there's a voice in your head. Wait, 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 wait. The whispers back. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's that's satisfying for you. I think that is for me, for what I was talking about, because now it's connected at least to the person in the forge, which ties it all up. You know, No, I agree. I agree. I just realized something, by the way. So because we're creating an entire city based around this kind of weird like God Forge economy, I just realized that. 
new people are going to be born. And like, there's going to be babies that like mm-hmm. people bring their babies to the God it's portion. Like, be like, oh God. There we go. By the time you turn 18, maybe you'll have your chance at the yeah. God Fords or something. And they'll like grow that. up knowing that it's something to aspire towards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what a culture that is. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Oh man. Okay. See, of course the first thought that I went with was, oh God, they're like sacrificing children to this thing. <laughs> of course. Since, since it requires of course, that's like a child sacrifice. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, of course, yeah, people would bring their kids there to like get in the queue, but, but I could also see it like. Courtney, you're going to show up on the fucking news one day and we're going to have to scrub all the episodes with you in them. We'll be so famous. Actually, we hold on, Daniel. This is okay. Silver lining. We can then flip this podcast into a true crime podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. We got, or like cults, you know, that one. That's a good podcast. Yeah. Well, you're now you're suggesting that Courtney's creating a cult and I just don't mm. think she has the charisma person. Wow. wow. Let me know when it's all set up because I'd be I'd be into that. <laughs> Daniel's the IT guy for Courtney's cult. Yeah, like, I can help. You know, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, you can make my site for me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Both literal and metaphorical networking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all right. Let's move on from Courtney's inevitable child murder. Uh, move on. Let's go ahead and see. Um, okay, my first tenet was that trade. Uh, has a big part to do with the setting. We've obviously made that the case and the resource. So the resource that we're talking about, we actually have two resources here, correct? Yeah, there's like the queue and also some sort of the memories or telepathy. Right. And the mm-hmm. physical thing made real from the God Forge itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems like that seems to be the commodity, right? Because it's the product of the conversion in the God Forge. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary market of the queue is also in there as well, which yeah. again, super Just fascinating. Cool. Yeah, which yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I also wanted to have the possibility of like energy being required to to get it keep it running. I think that mm. should be scarce as well because you got sure. a queue of people, and granted, they're putting things in there to convert it. But like, what's making this God Forge spin? You know. Okay, mm. here's the deal. All right, maybe we add a rule to it where the person whose turn it is in queue has a certain amount of time to satisfy it. Right, like they what they um, want and what they have to tithe. Like, okay, wait, I just need 24 hours to get my debts together and mm-hmm. get the tithe ready, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe that's why the queue is so long is that because mm-hmm. there is, they have X amount of time before the next person in the queue has to go. Something like right. that. I think that makes sense. Like, it's like your number's up. Now you need to go and deliver. Now you have right. 24 hours to find a baby to give to this. <laughs> yeah, it's a drop in there. <laughs> Keep it spinning. I'm picturing the giant wheel of fortune and you got to keep spinning it every time you go up there. Okay, wait, wait, Courtney, wait. Uh-huh. You might be onto something here. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, and I mean this in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if, what if the trapped being that we're talking about is in fact a person who ha- who was tithed literally their entire consciousness? Uh-huh. So they're a null being at that point, right? I almost want to, I want, I like that, but I almost want to, um, I want there to be the potential for a reveal that there are a lot of people in this, on this wheel, that it's not just one telepath that's attached to this wheel. <laughs> or it's like the merging of all these different consciousnesses that have been tithed over time. Yeah. Maybe they're the result of the tithes. Like you, like you're saying, are you saying like they're the result of all these tithes? Oh, I was saying, well, kind of. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's imagine that like you owe someone a debt. And that debt yeah. becomes so big that it literally means your entire consciousness mm-hmm. goes into the tithe. Okay. I mean, and but then like maybe there's an individual who is tithed to the point where they're almost entirely without conscious, but there is still part of them. And then from that part, it starts to like, oh, oh, that's where the connections come from. Oh, do you mm-hmm. mean the people added to it? Is that what you mean? Like the person added to it, like as what? a tithe? Okay, we're, we're gonna have to. We're going to put a pin in yeah, this. Maybe I'm not, I just want to make sure I understand it. I, I, I think I'm on the precipice of where you're at. I'm trying to get it. You know? well, okay. Yeah. It sounds to me like it's like the first person whose entire consciousness was tied over. They're like the basis oh. for this entity that's forming. And like other things are kind of globbing onto it. Okay. Is that what you mean? Because I like that. 
Is that what you're saying? So yes, and also that uh-huh. this thing reaching out and trying to create those psychic networks, yeah, or it trying to find the pieces of its own consciousness that it's oh, missing. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, can we say there's more than one? Because obviously we can. Obviously, there's can. been so many tithes, right? I could mm-hmm. see a small group of them in there. You know. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. What do you do? think about that, Courtney? Yes, but I also do like okay. the idea of them kind of merging together or like... Oh, you like them merging. Okay. Or if there's like one who is the core mm-hmm. and then there are okay. these other bits that get sort of attached to it and maybe they're trying to fight to keep each other separate or like one oh. doesn't want to join in. They want to maintain their own like self. So they're represented as a collective while they're in there is what you mean? Something like that. Yeah. Like or like the, the forge itself is trying to smash them all together. That's like I its see. purpose. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like really they're, they're they're struggling for individuality. Yeah, or at least some okay. of them are. I could see some being like, yeah, sure, I want to be like some sick like god creature, but uh, others are like, holy shit, this is terrifying. I like that. This is this is what I was yeah. talking about earlier That's with cool. individual wills, singular wills yeah, versus collective wills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, came right back. Exactly where we're at. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Fuck we yeah. need to like reify it. You just we just did it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you and your reifying, whatever. So maybe this the $5 end, word man over here. So maybe the end result will be um, an angel forming, but yeah. the God Forge needs enough souls to do so. To do it, yeah. Again, I would I would caution that we leave that mystery. Like, we don't yeah, know what it does. Right, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But the fact that it could be an angel. It could. You yeah. see, like, five episodes later, like, boom, here's a weird-ass BDO angel, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? And the queue is mm. all disrupted. You know? Yeah, it, like, obliterates a quarter of the city, and, like, yes, yeah. the other part is, like, converted Actually, to gold or something. Makes a flesh yeah. cube. Yeah, <laughs> makes a flesh cube. Uh, no, no, no. The, the thing about the city makes a lot of sense, because, like, anytime there's, like, a disaster in the city, mm-hmm. people know about it because their number goes down rapidly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, wait, I just jumped 500 Oh crap! You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Like that is okay. Again, that's we're going good. back to prestige television, but yeah. that's a moment where everyone looks at everyone else's like, head. Oh, and they're like, shit. oh yeah. shit! You know, yeah. something huge happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, oh that's so cool. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, where are we? We did the psychic. Wait, we were talking about your your trading tenant. Oh, we got to the resource discussion. Oh God. Okay. 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 Uh, all right, Daniel, your second tenant. What was it? Oh, I forgot we had second tenants. Mine was the angels, of course. <laughs> but I think we've covered that, like, hands down, you know? Yeah, we literally just talked about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, want them to be giant. They don't have to be giant. They can, they can come in all shapes and sizes, Daniel. True, true. I want Well, maybe if they're tiny, I want them to have giant effect, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it's one little eyeball, it has, like, a crazy, like, block-sized field of whatever, you know? I like the idea of them being giant beings. I like the idea of there being variants. Uh, and I love the idea that you can reveal that a character has had a, an angel in them the entire time. And it's been like a third eye or something like that. They are not the angel, but the eye in, inside of them is in fact the angel or something like that. Right. Like, as I think as, that's pretty cool. As long as the B in the BDO is fulfilled. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They need to have like right. mega Big effects. effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Right. right. We, we literally just talked about like, a big disaster in the city yeah. cutting down the numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if like you're saying there was a person whose third eye opened, some weird shit's going to go down at that moment. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Evangelion kind of horrible. <laughs> wow. A rare, a rare anime reference from Daniel. Hey. It's very specific. I mean, they have weird ass <laughs> angels. <can laughs> yeah, I say, sure. you know? I, I'm not saying it's a bad reference. Daniel. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that you're not yeah. one for anime references. Mm-hmm. Except for this year. This year you've been kind of wild. There's definitely it, been but. some. Um, yeah. Maybe this is also part of why the why things get like much more dangerous as you get closer to the end of the world. Oh. It's like it's a higher concentration of angels oh, yeah, that can yeah. appear and just like completely fuck everything up. Mm-hmm. And once we figure out what the God Forge really is, it's what what it's in, to borrow from Evangelion and what its <laughs> instrumentality means, then we'll I bet we'll figure out what <laughs> does it mean with the end of the world and what are the, what are the angels and all that? We maybe we, maybe we'll never answer that, but those mm-hmm. are, those are questions that will arise. We'll get canceled in season two, like raised by wolves. <laughs> exactly. We'll never get answers. <laughs> God damn. What I think is kind of interesting as well is that like, I love the idea that 
what the people are using the God Forged for is not its intended use. Yeah. It's like, exactly. it's kind yeah. of like, uh, I can't remember where I got this example from, but it's like if we had a jet engine and we're using it to cook food, like yeah. that kind of thing. That's like that's basically like. what yeah. we're doing here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was yeah. saying with like, if in the past it was used in a very specific way, but mm. now with people like taking the memories from it that they pull from it and it's kind of corrupting the process in some way, gotcha. unknowingly. Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see your second tenant. Whose tenant are we on? Mine again? No, mine. Mine's Cor- okay. just, mine is that there is a God forge that can be used to construct deities or that's literally central to the entire goddamn setting. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and then mine was, it all takes place in the same city. We've it really satisfied that we've actually already given it an origin point as well, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we're satisfied y'all. I think we're good. I think so. Where do we want to pick up next time? What do we want to bring next time? Um, I think it might be helpful. I mean, we factions might be helpful, but also parts of the city might be helpful. Oh, uh, like each take Ooh, a section. Districts. Yeah. Yeah, like districts. Yeah. Yeah. That, will, that way and instead features. of trying to, Yeah, our features. Like, that way we're mm-hmm. not trying to like target maybe like plot points. We're really trying to create sections that will then give rise to plot points. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Good call, Daniel. Agreed. Okay. So next time we'll do faction and district. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Or just district or landmark or something. That's true. Uh, all right, district and landmark. They're two, they're separate yeah. things. Oh, sure, yeah. Because a faction might arise from it, you know, as a result. Yeah, yes. I could see and that. And then yeah. we'll explore that in episode three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because remember, four-parter. We got four episodes to kind of uncover the city in its entirety. Listeners, beloved, dear listeners, I sincerely hope that you enjoy this four-part series, this romp into the unknown, this throwback that is also new at this very same time of this new setting. And remember that eventually when we're out of this setting and you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media while it still exists, you can go to Twitter at Let's World Build. We're exploring other options probably. And If you want to come join our Discord and join our community, ask us questions, talk about world building, all that good stuff, you can go to our Discord with the link for that in the description. And of course, where would we be without our beloved, beloved patrons? Thank you all so much for your continued support. And remember that if you want to be particularly generous yourself or you just want access to those sweet, sweet patron-only episodes and other goodies, you can go to our Patreon with the link for that in the description or our website. With all of that out of the way, That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week. 